0: Welcome to the Triathlete Hour. As part of Paralympics Month today, we're talking to Amy Dixon, who started to lose her vision in her 20s as a byproduct of her juvenile rheumatic arthritis. By her 30s, she had lost 98% of her vision and had to reinvent herself. So she did. Today, she's a paracycling and paratriathlon national champion and is headed to Tokyo now at the age of 45. After another bout of debilitating health problems this last year nearly killed her, she's excited just to be racing against kids half her age. And then she's gonna celebrate with a vacation in Hawaii. Amy tells us all about how she's changed her perspective and overcome obstacles in the way, and what it takes to train and make the Olympics while on chemo. And first, Laura Sadal is with us from Japan where she's already landed for a Team GB pre-Paralympics camp as a guide. She gives us a scoop and dissects that other race happening next weekend, the Collins Cup, plus final Kona qualification spots. All of that after this break. Power your next adventure with Outside Plus. Our Outside Plus membership gives you access not just to exclusive triathlete content, but to content across all our network brands, like Backpacker, Velo News, Outside Magazine, and Trail Runner. With an annual membership, you get two magazine subscriptions, two VeloPress books, a library of resources like yoga journal meditation classes and clean eating meal plans, gear and event discounts, access to Gaia GPS, dozens of training plans through today's plan software, and a free Finisher Picks package each year, all for just $99. This is the world's best resource for training, nutrition, know-how, and how-tos. Join at triathlete.com backslash outside plus. That's outside P L U S one word dot com. All right, we're back with Sid, who is joining us from Japan. We're not sure what time it is there. <laughs> I have so no, idea in, what, no,
1: idea. <laughs> no idea what day of the week it is, what time it is. I don't know where I am.
0: <laughs> so, you've been in Tokyo for a couple of days, you're there for the Paralympics. How is it so far?
1: Yeah, well, we're actually um, south of Tokyo, down at the bottom of the island in a place called Miyazaki for a holding camp. So um, we had what felt, well, it felt like for me about five days of travel because I drove back from Spain and, and then kind of a trip down to Heathrow and then flight. And then we had a long layover in Tokyo because they do lots of testing right. um, on arrival. And so you can't kind of go anywhere out of, literally just getting off the plane until that's all come back and checking every bit of paperwork and app that we had to download and stuff like that. Um, and then, yeah, and then came straight out here to Miyazaki. So um, this is with the British para triathlon lot. We're in a we're in a hotel here. We've got our own floor. We're fairly um, isolated from the rest of the hotel, for, at least for the first few days. I think we've got another day or so. Um, so testing every day and meals sort of get pre- brought to our room or our team room, which is all on one floor. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely humid, um, <laughs> like, but it's been pretty cloudy and rainy. So um, you kind of come back in from a ride or like we're so we're, we're free to go out and ride and run and and some of the guys in the open water swim this morning and we've got the pool at the hotel which is 25 meters which we've got access to at certain times but you come in from riding and running like and you're not sure whether you're wet because it was raining or it's just the humidity like I did a I did a pretty easy run yesterday afternoon with tim don and we were just chatting away and we got back to the hotel and we were just stood outside the hotel like chatting before we then you know donned masks and went back inside and i looked down and i just got this puddle of water (laughs) where my clothes had just dripped onto the onto the floor um which caused much amusement but yeah but the japanese have been amazing like um there's obviously that that caution about having foreigners and visitors into the country but as a nation as a as a the 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 japanese people are so friendly and welcoming and they can't do enough for you and you know if you ask for one thing to get done about 5 to 10 japanese sort of rush forward to all help and do the job and when we we're going through the airport i think we had sort of 20 japanese checking in our bags through the airport and five people meeting us and yeah they're just um, super super friendly so yeah
0: do you feel like one of the big things I've been like asking a reporter on the ground there is kind of what it's been like after the Olympics and then gearing up for the Paralympics, like, you know, what has changed? Are people more into it, less into it? Kind of what kind yeah. of protocols do they change? I mean, I guess you're not really in Tokyo yet, but do you feel like people are
1: excited about the Paralympics? Do they like Yeah, get amped it's, up? it's it's really hard because we're in Miyazaki, which is actually quite you know, it's like you know, two hour flights or whatever, so quite a long way from Tokyo. Right. And obviously and in the hotel, we're being yeah, like I said, sort of pretty um, segregated. Ex- yeah, yeah, segregated is the word. And I guess here as well, because you're so far away, a lot of people are just the Japanese are just here on a holiday. Um, but as we've been out riding, all the little kids on the side of the road are waving at you. I think they do that anyway. <laughs> you know, <laughs> everyone just seems to wave and stuff. And um, so yeah, I don't, I can't tell from that perspective like what it feels like in terms of the right I mean all that all I can say is that everyone we've met so far from volunteers and officials has been very welcoming um but there's obviously also just this kind of um slight concern of foreigners coming into into the country and all the precautions which is fine because to be honest I kind of prefer it that way with everything going on (laughs) that we feel like we're being tested and we're being all careful and we don't want to you know we want to Kind of keep our athletes safe, sort of thing as well. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to get COVID.
0: Uh, yeah. the, Paralymp- the Paralympics are, there's eight paratry events, and there's like four. It's next, it's this, well, when this airs, it'll be Friday in the US in the evening. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. No, yeah. it's the following it's week. To, oh, God. It, it's the following week. It's the following Friday and Saturday. It's, it's like the 28th, 29th. Yeah. 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 I Man, it's hard so, to yeah.
1: follow. Uh, yeah. And so you're leading the. <laughs> Tell me about it, and I'm out here, and I'm like going. Where are we going? What are we doing? Who's racing when?
0: <laughs> we'll have all that info up next week. As like the Par, because the Paralympics start the 23rd, but then yep. the Paratri races are the Friday and Saturday. Uh, so we have today on the sh- podcast one of the American blind athletes. It's one of your competitors. Oh, uh-huh. Competitors, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So how many people? But then as I was listening to her, how many people are in? the visually impaired race like how Ooh. and then they all have guides too yeah it's so like how crowded is it
1: i don't do you know what i don't actually know who's how many on the start list i know from british perspective we've got two athletes racing in right. the in the female and one in the male and um, i have a feeling it's like maybe like 10 or 12 or something like that but that yeah. i am slightly picking a number off the top of my head because the qualification is a little bit different different yeah. from the olympics um and then yeah and then obviously with the guides as well um i guess you you double that and obviously then within the for the visually impaired within that you've got different categories as well so um i know there is the the spanish athlete on the female side she's i'm gonna say she has a head start she starts first they call it factoring they call it factoring that's probably the official name um so she starts first and then um our two british athletes start a bit later and even those even the two british athletes have got different levels of sight but they're in the same category category. yeah Yeah,
0: they do it like in a head start system now um which they started a couple years ago kind of yeah I think Aaron Shies who we've had on before actually kind of helped pioneer that. It's an interesting, It's an. I think the wheelchair category does that too. It's an interesting yeah. model for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's, I mean, just like talking to the guys here and learning a bit more, I mean, it's so hard cause it's then like, do you have, do you, it's so hard to categorize in para sport, right. but then it's like each individual sport probably is slightly different because of the different skills and stuff you need for those. So how do you, do you have, do you have like, Generic categories across say you know you know triathlon compared to athletics compared to swimming compared to whatever Diamond. other sport or yeah or is it then each sport individually then we so it's so hard um but yeah it's it's Feels
0: weird yeah we But we'll be doing a bunch of coverage um, coming up. So we'll make sure to include all the links. Uh, The other thing coming up, though, like the same
1: weekend weekend. is Collins Cup. Same weekend. The the minor event of the weekend, (laughs) because it is all about the Paralympics. We need to. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, The other one that we get is we're also going to have all this info on that is the Collins Cup. I feel like we've been talking about the Collins Cup for like five years now. (laughs) Finally going to happen. One of my bosses asked me if I think it's going to cancel at this point. And I was like, I think at this point, they're going to put anyone on that start line. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, they're it's they're a, having a race.
1: It's, it's going to be a bit like just if you can get yourself to that start line, you, you'll be in the team sort of thing. I know it's so funny. It's been going on so long that I think if it had happened when they first announced it, I would have been in the team. <laughs> like <laughs> I actually had a ranking at that point and I, I think I would have been in the European team. I think I was about fourth in the world or whatever it was at that point when they first announced it. Now I'm like way down and way down. People keep asking me if I'm going. I'm like, well, I need to carry water bottles if I was. But um,
0: uh, I do like the rankings on a total. I mean, we'll go the total side point how they've made you a chart too to look how, to so you can see how you've gotten worse. I looked at my chart the other day. I was like, oh, (laughs) thanks for making me a chart. Yeah. but yeah so the collins cup finally happening same weekend as the paralympics i feel like we should re-explain yes brief summary is there are three teams team usa versus team europe versus team internationals six men and six women on each team and they're going to go in like head-to-head races so it'll be three athletes one from each team going and then five minutes later the next three five minutes later the next three and they're competing across the 100k distance the like one they did at daytona so it's kind of a little longer than a half. It's yeah. sort of, or no, it's a little shorter than a half. Um, but the idea is each of those matchups, you earn your team a point if you win or second or third. And then one of the teams has the most points and gets a, did Tiffany. you say they, <laughs> a t- made trophy. East, made, the trophy is made by Tiffany's silver engraved trophy who gets to keep it though
1: is what I want to know uh, I don't know is it like you know like when you used to do sports at school and you won as a team and then you could have it like for a month of the year and then you passed it on to your next team member maybe they do it like that maybe over yeah. the over the year they if it's the well there's 12 in each team so maybe each athlete yeah. gets it for a year that actually uh, makes a lot more for sense a month, for a month, month. yeah yeah there you go. and then and I think there's is there a wooden um is it a wooden spoke or a wooden wheel or wooden? Yeah, it's like a for thing for like who comes in last. last. Yeah, and so I'd I'd feel left out if I was the team that was in the middle because what do they get? Anything like <laughs> <laughs> they don't get Tiffany. But, and they don't get they don't get any accolades. <laughs> like man,
0: they did. The reason this has also been like a hot topic. is So they so of the twelve people on each team. Four men and four women qualified automatically via the rankings, which we've talked. Like people have opinions about the rankings. Yes. There's pros and cons, but then four people, two men, to also on each team, also qualified uh, via captains' picks, which is a nice way of saying like discretionary. They just picked, yeah. right? Yeah. And so they announced those last week. So now the teams are final. Uh,
1: and like uh, I mean, yes. unshockingly, <laughs> there was
0: some controversy, right? So-
1: yeah, I mean, I I think their final. I, I don't know how it's worked. I don't know if the athletes have confirmed. Like, So the automatic people, I don't know whether they've had been given a timeline to confirm whether they're racing or we're just expecting that they're all racing. And then I don't know what happens if anyone doesn't want to race out of that automatic and where it rolls down to. But, um, yeah, at the moment, the teams of 12, the six right. men and six women, has been right. announced.
0: Right. Word is there are a spot or two that – will be rolling down i mean the discretionary spots they definitely confirmed the people before they picked them because i am i'm like positive they asked some other people (laughs) who turned them down (laughs) yes (laughs) yeah but it is uh i mean they threw on the u.s team they threw a couple of olympians in so you have kaza ferris and taylor nib uh in addition to like all the long course kind of standards uh team internationals. they kind of went with like I think some more traditional seventy point three picks, but Team Europe is just so. I mean, no one's going to beat Team Europe. You have uh, God, women. it's like Daniella, Daniela, Holly, Lucy, Anne, Hog. Like this is just the, the women's.
1: The wi- sorry, the boys of Europe, you need to going to you have to gonna pull your socks up and up your game because I think the women are going to show you up here. And this is me <laughs> speaking from a European team. I actually think Britain should have been their own team because I know, I know, four, four of the six women are British in Team Europe. Yep um the British women are very strong I mean they're you they, they're pretty much all ranked in the top 10 almost um of, of the world rankings I think the men obviously you've got two very strong you've obviously got Jan you've got uh Gustav Eden I think is the other right. European who's obviously a more of a 70.3 well obviously a very dominant but Olympic, yes. but dominant over the half um and I know that, you know, the other two, Skipper, Joe Skipper and Patrick Lang, that, you know, they've kind of said themselves, we're not suited to this distance, but through mm, the rankings, they're in that automatic qualification. Um, and then, so I think, and then the Europeans, you've also got Sebi Kinley and, um I've uh, forgotten the uh, fourth member of the team. Um yeah, trying, Daniel Bakergaard, right? Bakergaard, Bakergaard. Yes, yeah. Bakergaard. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think it's gonna be interesting, but you know, you'd you'd probably say the other teams are not gonna waste their best athletes against Yan, probably. Cause
2: probably right, right. Win So I guess the regardless. other
1: thing that we should
0: say here oh, yeah. is that there's That's a right. whole strategy thing where yeah. you get to
1: you draft
0: like who gets to go up against who and there's like a picking order. So obviously you're going to, like, sacrifice someone against Jan yeah. or Daniela. <laughs> <The>
1: sacrificial lamb. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> poor guy, poor girl, whoever it is. <laughs> so then you try
0: to, like, put your best people. So then maybe you take, yeah. like, Rudy Von Berg and yeah. put him against, like, people he might actually, like, he might be able to beat. Yeah. It's an but interesting. It, and, and that's going to be yeah. interesting
1: on the American side. Um, obviously, Taylor Nip had a, an amazing race, a great race in um, Boulder, Mm 70.3 the other weekend on her road bike just destroying the field are we getting her time trial bike for this i don't know that's what i I hope so i hope so but she's doing pretty well on the road bike and obviously she just raced pretty dominant i think even uh flora duffy mentioned how powerful um taylor nib is on the bike from montreal which was a short distance and she looked like she was cruising on that so but she's so we've seen a little bit of a glimpse of what Taylor Nib is like over a half distance. Um, so I think that she's going to be pretty strong. So Ferris has never done a half, I don't think.
0: I'm not aware of it.
1: So a little bit of an unknown quantity. Obviously, she's super strong and we know how good she is. But again, like this is her first half distance. So it's not like, it's not like a full half. It's like a little a bit shorter half, than it, a half. It is. <laughs> so yeah, but it's kind of like, well, where'd you play that card? Cause no one's really right. going to know. She's obviously, maybe know, you ever the phrase amazing them. she is, but we don't know who she's going. Yeah. Picked against.
0: There's like a joke in where you like the wild card. You don't know what's yeah. going to
1: happen. <laughs> like, yeah. Cut The breaks. Yeah. You just yeah. put
0: her in at the wild card.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, but yeah. it's going to be interesting. Obviously. Um, it's in Slovakia is the other thing. Uh in Slovakia, which, you know, easier for the Europeans to get to, tougher yeah. for some of the Americans, Australians. Yeah. Um, there's a lot going into this. It will be on uh, stream live. Every streaming everything. channel. Everything. It'll be on Everywhere. everything. Um, big announcement soon, uh, but it should be on our site too, which yeah. will be cool so you can watch. So yeah, it'll be, you'll be able to watch live. It should be a really good broadcast. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They also will have... Got- They've got a like commentary team. That's um, just Yeah, there's I was about ten of them. I'm just thinking, but they've got some really established commentators, like mm-hmm. Phil Liggett, who I have to say actually did used to commentate on triathletes. So he's not. He's mm. obviously a very experienced cyclist commentator, and I love I love listening to Phil Liggett. But he actually used to commentate on triathlon, so <laughs> he does know the sport a bit. I know we've moved on a lot since then. You've then got a real mix of the commentary. You've got some. Triathlon experts. You've got Belinda Granger on there, Vicky Holland, so she's bringing the short course. Um, Greg right. Bennett, mixed in then with sort of more um traditional sports broadcasting hosts who maybe those anchor and those links, but have done sports, but maybe not triathlon, or are just those linking of how to put a broadcast together. So it's gonna be interesting and fascinating to how that works. I mean, I think it's gonna be fascinating because we're not really sure how the the race mm-hmm. formats going to play out and right the coverage and the streamage the streaming of you know what pictures and content and stuff like that you're going to get back and how they're going to work it but um and I and I just hope that um the athletes do when I say take it seriously take the honor and pride into the team event you know they've got paid for getting there and I hope that yeah. they then I mean, don't this is just like go, a- "Oh, it doesn't matter now, and we can focus on the world seventy point three or Kona down the road, and we don't really need to do take this seriously because we've just got a truckload of money for just getting here." I really right. Hope so they- that's another thing I think a lot of people don't realize, but like in the pro- yeah. the
0: pros are all quite a, like I don't know. There's a lot of opinions. You get paid. Every person who makes it makes a team gets paid. Yeah, uh, out of the one point five million, and there isn't actually prize money on the line. No. No, so it doesn't so, yeah. actually matter how you do other than the Tiffany's. Tiffany trophy.
1: yeah so <laughs> and that's the thing. I just hope that they you know, and that's hard when and I'm completely speculating here and being controversial, but that's hard, you know when you you've got someone like Yan who's mm-hmm. gearing up for Kona, and you've now got these different people blooming felt coming in to race Kona and all of that, and right. putting different challenges on. And he's obviously got his. Jan's got his slot for the Collins Cup, but like you said, depending who's up against him, he can probably win at like an eighty percent effort, maybe kind oh, of thing. Yeah. And yeah. So, and I know there's also points for how far ahead you are in your individual race and that sort of thing. But it's kind of like I, and that might be a bad example, but I just hope the athletes that have been selected realize how lucky they are to one be getting paid and going to the event because there's a lot of people would have wanted to do that and put in the effort to represent their nations as getting their own individual triathlon egos out the way and actually being a team sport for once I don't know if <laughs> I, maybe I'm maybe the jet lag and the humidity here is affecting me <laughs> maybe I'm just like barking up a tree like a madman
0: <laughs> all, right, all right yeah I mean I obviously every time anyone's asked they've been like Oh, it won't matter that they're not there isn't prize money. They'll they'll compete for the glory. So we'll see. But yeah, I think Jan can probably cruise it in. Probably,
1: yeah. <laughs> probably.
0: I mean, yeah. But that brings us to Kona because we are starting to hit the final qualification periods. There's only we saw a few more races this past weekend. There's only two left: one men's and one's women's. Uh, Copenhagen and Hamburg is that right?
1: Yes. Yeah. 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 Hamburg for the women, Copenhagen for the men. But
0: otherwise, everyone's like all spots have been earned. And it's like a weird year. I was just working on our Kona preview. And it's kind of one of the things you have to keep saying is, look, like probably Jan will win. But like, we have no idea what's going to happen because you don't know in the last year and a half, like some people who looked terrible at races like earlier this year, it's just because you know, they like are taking a little while to get moving again. And some people who looked amazing are going to be like burned out. So yep. you don't actually know.
1: <laughs> like, and then, and then throw in the likes of Christian Blumenfeld. And right. I'm, I'm making an assumption that Flora Duffy's is not racing. I don't um, think so now. But who have got like automatic slots, but will have never raced a full distance in, in their life. And look, we can go into the conversation of whether they deserved an invite or not I, I kind of am coming around to I think it's good for the sport, but I would have. It's lo- good for the sport. It is good and for the sport, but yeah. I would have loved to have seen Christian race Frankfurt kind of first mm. anyway. Not not because I think he needed to qualify for Kona. I, I'm happy that he, I think he got the invite. That kind of that's fine. But I just would have liked to have seen him race, and then you kind of have an idea. Again, it's like you're going into Kona, going, "Oh right, well he did that." But whereas now we just Who have knows? no idea. Exactly,
0: he's our wild card. You don't know. Have- yeah, actually he's wild our wild card. Lionel's yeah. always
1: a wild card. So. Yeah, well, he's got to qualify yet, hasn't he? He's got to do the Copenhagen um, race, I think. Yeah. But yeah,
0: the I mean, is the, I asked Ironman. They said it's the first time they're aware of, of Olympic champions being extended an invitation like this. Obviously, like back in the day, different, you know, Kona qualification like wasn't even really a thing. But are yeah. think it's the first time. I've seen a few people like, oh, well, they didn't earn a spot. You know, there's limited spots. Like, okay, fine. There's limited spots, but I think we can afford like two. And yeah. if you like if you go and win the Olympics, like you earned it. Like it's fine. I also, yeah, I I I think nobody has officially turned one down, but I would be shocked if Flora Duffy Blue. took it. Yeah. Um, I don't think like that she's gonna make her Iron Man debut there. Uh but it used but they also give a spot to the 70 point three champion. And it used to be that you could qualify at 70 point threes and show up. So this is not like this didn't hasn't happened before. Yes, that
1: is yeah. true. That is true.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like I don't think Gustav Eden has done a full.
1: That's true. Yeah, and he did he and he, he, he 70, by qualified by winning 70.3 worlds. Yeah, exactly. so we've got oh, so we got the two of the Norwegians, yeah. and that's why Casper Storns was probably racing Frankfurt and could have been the Norwegian three. Um, I mean, the Norwegians but, yeah.
0: are crazy, but they are. I wouldn't count them out. But this past weekend, the other thing was, I mean, I'm trying to sit here trying to finish off our Kona preview, and Laura Phillips and Patrick Nilsson. Threw themselves back into the conversation just when I was like, "Oh, I think we're done." Uh, I mean, she looked really good first time we've seen her in oh, over a year. Yeah, pretty a while. Much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she's just, she just like ran like a two fifty. Yeah,
1: yeah. She's just this. Yeah, she's had a running injury, so she's not as we sort of been aware has been running as much, but is just right. supremely talented on the run, and maybe that helped her as well because she does run this fine line, I think, Laura, with being she's either amazing and just this yeah 250 runner and and everything or she's kind of injured because she's sort of on that fine line so um yeah she just looked impressive on on the run there were sort of three of them coming together off the bike um Imogen Simmons, Jocelyn McCauley and Laura Phillip they'd swum together pretty much and Mm -hmm. rode together and then laura kind of put 20 minutes into them both on the run. right right
0: yeah i mean imogen was sort of my dark horse pick at one point um but she also and, is someone we haven't seen all years and, so. and
1: that's right well imogen's been so she had a really great race uh challenge st Paulton where she almost held off annie haug um over the half distance and then unfortunately had a bit of a again another run or a, a niggle um mm-hmm. which sort of put a uh, meant she didn't do some of the races she'd planned and so this was kind of come back so again we don't know um she's got the Kona slot so I think that's probably the aim um and then we'll see how I think again she's such an amazing athlete we've not really seen that much of her over the last couple of years but a few glimpses and I think she's just got a big future ahead as well
0: Yeah. I mean, she's super young and she's also hilarious. Yeah.
1: Yes, she is.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But Nilsson also is the other one that I had had listed in our preview. And then I was like, oh, and I went, I was looking up his stats. He had DNF'd his last uh, five or six Ironmans. I mean, that's, I was like, that's a hard bear to get off your shoulders period, even if you're fit. And then he went and won this weekend. So (laughs) I'm like, well, all right. (laughs) Running, running a
1: 239. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so I think he might uh, might be back. Yes, yeah. It <laughs> was um, it was pretty close racing. I think the, the um, men's race at Ironman Frankfurt. I know like by the oh yeah, there was like three minutes in the end between the top three, and I know the yeah. places changed a little bit. And, and I think Nielsen only I like, overtook um, Christian Hogenhaug in like the last couple of k for the win. Um, David McNamee finished missed the finish shoot. He decided he wanted to do an extra lap on the run. I think he was seriously in the uh, in the hurt locker at that point. So <laughs> I had, to, had to double back to make the right hand turn. Uh, sorry, David. Um, but yeah, it was good to see him back as well because he's sort of had a bit of a struggle this year, I think. And I think he's changed I coach saw- now. And.
0: Yeah. Is he retiring, though? I thought I saw something that he was going to be done after Kona.
1: Well, I read something, I think, again, on, on you know, the world of on, social the, On the media, internet? You, yeah, <laughs> on the internet. The encyclopedia knowledge of the internet and Twitter um, that I think he'd considered retiring and now yeah. is working with um, David um, Tilbury, uh, no, Tilbury Davis. Yeah, David Tilbury Davis, yeah. Yeah. And who is so a very kind of, good coach. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And it sounds like that sort of re reinvigorated or they've they've given him another Hmm. sort of maybe he'll carry on for a bit longer um so yeah
0: i do think um well one hawaii put some more uh restrictions back in place about gatherings uh, this week because of the rise in cases from the from the variants. Um there's a widespread kind of understanding right now that Iron Man will probably get an exception because it's capped at like 50 people or something. Like yeah. and it's, oh, not yeah, it's, it's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. Um so the why is it's kind of the understanding right now is that Iron Man will qualify for one of these like professional event exemptions, but I'm sure there will be a lot of restrictions for travel. And so one of the things I've been kind of keeping my eye on wondering about is the age group race i think will be heavily american i think we're going to see a lot of people just like not able to make the trip um
1: well i don't think europeans so can yeah. get in i don't think europeans can get into the states still at the moment anyway
0: oh really i thought we yeah. were letting people in
1: I, oh i don't know then maybe i know yeah i wasn't sure that europeans were still Oh, excuse me it was still able were able yet to get in but it might have changed I think we're letting
0: like pros in. I think the pro athletes are able to get in. but yeah, the the regular regulars, I'm not sure.
1: Sorry. Pros are able to get in. Yeah. But just the general, the general age group as if they were racing, I'm not sure they, they are able to.
0: So at this point, I mean, we're, it's like six weeks out right now. And so it's a little, it's still like hard to say, like I do expect it to go off, but I also expect it to be, there to be surprises that we're yeah. like, not going to know what happens that something's going to go down. We're going to have like weird withdrawals or like changes. Yeah. And I think they're going to be, even if we get there and we have a full race and we have all the pro field, there are going to be a people in both the top five men and women that we had, not like, we're not on our radar. So like, we, had, yeah. we don't even, yeah. <laughs> there were people on the start list I had, I had never heard of, right? Like that's yeah. where we're going to be. So yeah. It's going to be a so, weird, yeah. weird race
1: it is but let's just hope it goes ahead <laughs> and then, you know, similar similar to 70.3 world because yeah. that's even less that's what four weeks away and again mm-hmm. it's going to be in the same restrictions of people getting in and out of the country or turning up
0: yeah utah cares yeah. less than hawaii so true
1: true that is true and a lot <laughs> but a lot will be coming from europe if they've been at the collins cup <laughs> Worlds will
0: also, I think, be really awesome. I'm kind of hoping and like knock on something because I think we don't know exactly what people have committed yet. But I think if we end up with a Daniela versus Holly versus Lucy versus Flora Flora. versus Emma, like that is going to be an amazing race. So.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think uh, Emma Pallant. Emma, oh gosh, I nearly said it as you Americans say it. Emma Pallant. We were uh, laughing. <laughs> we were laughing about that the other day. Um, I think Emma Pallant is really showing some good form. Um, yeah. you know, she just won Alcatraz. Um, I think she's just riding this high and has this new lease of confidence and has you know stepped up a level on the swim side of things, which has helped her bike and a run. Um, so I think that's going to be really interesting. But then, yeah, add in the Flora Duffy into the world as well, um, and I assume it will. Um, uh, Taylor Nib be racing.
0: Yeah, I mean, since you yeah. understand, so it'll be an interesting. I, I think it's actually, yeah. I'm in some ways more excited for that. Yeah, than than kind of so. yeah. but we're excited for everything there's just so many races so (laughs) So many
1: actually there were so many races going on this weekend i was like couldn't keep up it was like trying to watch everything and on a random time zone i was like ah, that's hurting my head (laughs) all right well stay
0: tuned guys we will keep you informed we'll have all the things about the paralympics about the collins cup about 7.3 worlds super league and about Coda. so (laughs) everything (laughs) everything thanks sid uh we'll see we'll talk to you again thanks kelly All right. This week, we're talking to Amy Dixon, a uh, para world champion, national champion in paracycling and paratriathlon. Which one is harder, Amy? And which do you like more?
2: Oh mm. that's, that's such a loaded question. I'm talking to <laughs> Triathlon Magazine. Uh, <laughs> I should say triathlon, but right, be right. be honest with you. I, if I had my my druthers, I would probably like I was cycling.
0: <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How... Uh, So you're blind and we'll talk more about this, but like paracycling blind sounds, I mean, Aaron Shitey's is on it. It sounds very intense because you're all in a group and it's not like time trialing. Yeah.
2: I mean, there's a time trial and there's a road race. And uh, I mean, I I love time trialing with my guide. It's super fun. I mean, we're we're both pretty good at it. Um, Road racing is exciting and there's tactics and I'm fascinated by all of that. Like it's it's just so cool and watching it play out on a tandem and you know, and it's, you, you know, like, it's, it's just a lot harder on a tandem. I mean, you mm-hmm. can't read the, read the, uh, the group as easily attacks are catastrophic on a, on a tandem because they can accelerate, you know, so hard compared to a single bike. Um, cause you got two strong people on there. It's super fun. Like I, <laughs> I, I think ferrocycling is kind of my, my, my next sport. Okay. All right.
0: So yeah. you, I mean, obviously you're already planning ahead. You're 45 going to Tokyo this summer. <laughs> I think there's some people competing that are like half your age, right?
2: Oh yeah. Two of like the, the, yeah, the girl from France is like 22. And mo- <laughs> most of the girls that I'm racing against are an average of 15 years younger than me.
0: <laughs> like awesome. So. <laughs>
2: so good. It just makes it hurt so much more. <laughs>
0: But this extra year, I mean, a year ago, you were like peak fitness, totally ready to go. And then this last year, I know, I mean, we've talked to lots of people where some people had a great extra year here and some people it's just been brutal. And you were in the hospital. I mean, you had blood clots. Like, I, I, I'm pretty sure you almost died, right? About eight months ago. And now you're going to Tokyo. Has that changed kind of your goals and your perception of it?
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, like you said, a year ago, I was, I was in the shape of my life. I pr my 5k, you know, my, my bike watts were through the roof. Um, my swim was the best it ever was. I was swimming like 24,000 yards a week. You know, I was, you know, biking, oh, my, you know, bet my best and like comfortably, you know, swimming that kind of, you know, yardage and, um, and then, you know, just my run was going great. I like, I, I didn't have any holes in my fitness and then, yeah. And then life happened. Um, Uh, had the Paralympics happened last August as planned, it would have been uh, beneficial to me, but, um, early August, my shoulder started swelling out of nowhere. And after an MRI, one of the first things the orthopedic surgeon asked me was, uh, when was the last time you saw your rheumatologist? And I lost my eyesight to an autoimmune disease, uh, a type of uveitis, which is related to juvenile rheumatic arthritis started when I was 10. I was diagnosed uh, with JRA and didn't have any symptoms in my eyes until I was 22. Uh, Was driving up until I was 32 um, because it was a gradual vision loss. And at 32, I lost 98% of my vision. And so found triathlon eight years ago. And uh, so here we are. And I was getting ready for the Paralympic Games. And and, um, for some reason, it decided to attack my shoulder. So it it was Mm. swelling up so much that my shoulder kept dislocating every night while I was sleeping. And so I have a rare type of osteoporosis. So when it was dislocating, it was actually pulling fragments of bone off my collarbone. So a month later, it went from being like, hey, your shoulder's swollen to, hey, like you need surgery right away because you have shrapnel, all these bone fragments floating around in your arm. So had surgery in October. Luckily, you know, everything was on hold. Our points were on hold with ITU, or now called World Triathlon. Mm -hmm. Um and had the surgery was successful. Within three weeks, was back in the pool, back to like easy spins on the bike and and running with a sling, and you know things were going really well. And then one day, I was running on the treadmill and suddenly found myself out of breath, kind of like when I'm at altitude. Uh, like every now mm-hmm. and then, I train in Colorado Springs at the Olympic Training Center there. And I have asthma, but it didn't feel like asthma. It felt like altitude, like you take a deep breath and there's just no air. (laughs) And I thought that was really odd, but I didn't feel bad. I just felt out of breath. And so I sort of ignored it and went about my business for about a day. And then I had a video visit with actually my rheumatologist. And I was so like, and then, and then this happened... And she's like, "Why are you so out of breath? Are you on the treadmill while you're talking to me? Like, because it was a video visit?" And I'm like, "No, no, I like, I, I just can't seem to get any air today." She goes, "Go to the emergency room right now!" And I was like, "It's nothing. It's probably my asthma." She goes, "You're sitting still in your office. You're an elite athlete. You shouldn't be breathing like that. Please go to the hospital." So, I got there. They scanned my lungs. Immediately found multiple blood clots in both of my lungs. They were super shocked because, again. My numbers were good because I'm a healthy, fit mm-hmm. individual, right? And so they were like, "Holy cow!" They wouldn't have expected it in a young, healthy adult, you know, who's competing for the Paralympic games. And um, so, I spent some time in the ICU. Ended up on blood thinners. Ended up having complications from the embolism. I had a couple surgeries in December. It was just a really rough month. And then I gained forty pounds of lymphatic fluid on my body. So you know, I start training again. <laughs> Before Christmas, I'm back, you know, back on the bike and trying to find my way forward through all of this. And um I have 40 extra pounds on me. And so I actually contacted Lever or Lever running device mm-hmm. out in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, because it was so running was so excruciatingly painful with that kind of, uh, weight and fluid on me. So that helped sort of offload. So I, cause I didn't want to get injured because I have osteoporosis right. and all I could think of was, gosh, now I'm going to end up with a stress fracture on top of everything else. So that's been a godsend, but it was, um, honestly, you know, hundreds and hundreds of doctor's appointments. I mean, I averaged 14 doctor's appointments a week. Really? Uh, yeah. In, fe- in February and March. And originally, our points were supposed to start up in March. It got delayed again by the pandemic. Um, we were supposed to have our Tokyo qualifying event, uh, the Pan American Championships in Sarasota, Florida, in March. And thankfully, that didn't happen until the end of June. So that <laughs> gave, gave me some extra time to get my act together and, um, and just put together a race that at least could get me qualified the way that qualification works for uh, the Paralympic games, you have to be ranked in the top 10 in your category in the world in the Paralympic rankings. And I was ranked uh, sixth or sixth or seventh at the time. So I was in a good spot, but I had no ability to go overseas and race because I really right. was in more condition to race. And I would have finished dead last. Cause I mean, I was swimming at, at like, 30 seconds per 100 slower than I normally do running a minute and a half to two minutes slower per mile than I normally do. Um, you know, it was I, rather than be competitive. I was now a participant <laughs> right, a participant. Sure. So it changed the dynamic uh, again of how I was racing. So I sat out of Yokohama and Leeds, which were two major events. So I dropped in the rankings and I was on that bubble where I was ranked ninth. And I was like, Oh my gosh, all it's going to take is one girl to bump me out of the, out of the top 10. and I, Fortunately, I'm really good friends with some of my competitors from the UK and from Great Britain. And I like called them up. I was like, girls, I need you to go beat the Canadian girl and I need you to go beat the French girl otherwise I'm screwed. Like like, go play defense. (laughs) So they are amazing friends and they went and raced and raced well, thankfully. And so they're like, you owe me when we get to Tokyo, like you have to buy me dinner. I was like, I'll buy you anything you want. Like, so they really, that's so
0: funny. Does that like happen usually? Like, do people do that?
2: No, no. (laughs) Like, I mean, you have domestiques, right? Sure. Normally that are from your own country, but, and sometimes from other countries, you know, Mm -hmm. like you look at Varga, you know, doing triathlon. He's a domestique for the Brownlee brothers. Um, you know, he swims and helps get get them on his feet and, and helps pull them to the front in the swim pack. And so, I mean, we talk, uh, me and some of the other athletes, about you know strategies in the swim. She's like, get on my feet or whatever. So, yeah, that's unusual in para triathlon. But but I've formed really good friendships with athletes mm-hmm. from the other countries and. Uh, sometimes I go over and train with them overseas. Uh, sometimes they can train train with me. So it's, yeah, it's a different dynamic. Uh, I'm hoping we'll just see more of that as we go forward into Paris. Um, but yeah, so I, I put together the race that I needed to on the day in Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. I literally just needed to cross the line and finish within 25% of whoever won, uh, in order to check the box. And I did. And so it was a superhuman effort. And like I said, dozens of doctors, hematologists, cardiologists, pulmonologists, rheumatologists, the whole, the whole kit and caboodle to get me there. I even brought my PT with me to like treat me up until an hour before the race. Um, I have a stress fracture going on in my right hip right now that I've just been managing. I'm like, okay, I just got to hold it together for two more weeks. Um, and, and then we can deal with it in in September. I can do anything for an hour. It's an hour of my life. Um, (laughs) Because it's the Paralympic Games, and I'm 45, and probably not going to Paris, so <laughs> let's, let's, just, let's just do this. So yeah, it's been a, a rough year, but I am so so grateful. And, and I think you spoke to my teammate Alyssa Sealy, mm-hmm. and you know sh- her and my my teammate Howie Sanborn, The three of us have just had a catastrophic year health wise, and the fact that we're all going to Tokyo is just miraculous in and of itself. And all of us are so grateful. Yeah, I mean, one of the things Alyssa.
1: Oh,
0: feedback there. Um, one of the things Alyssa and I was talking about was kind of when you, you know, have an autoimmune illness or like a a, a chronic issue and then you have other health problems, it's, it can be so hard, you know, if they're related, it, like what, it, it starts to just feel like one piles on after another, after another, after another. Does it ever feel like too much, right? Are you ever like, okay, this is, I'm like, I can't handle this anymore. <laughs> well,
2: today I was like, for instance, <laughs> great. For instance, today I had chemo, I've been going through chemotherapy for the past um, since September, but I stopped for three months cause I got too sick mm-hmm. and we started up again in early June. I had the Olympic trial the Paralympic trials at the end of June, but I was, I was at the point where I couldn't, I could hardly walk before 12 every day. And as, as the, cause my body was so swollen and then after 12 o'clock I would feel comfortable enough to at least get a swim in. And then after swimming, I felt better. So then I could run or bike in the afternoon. So I had to plan my training around how my body felt that day. And I was like, this sucks. This is not the way I imagined getting ready for like the biggest race of my life. And so, um, we went back on the chemo because it was working really well for me. And, mm-hmm. and then the first few doses I was okay, but it's sort of cumulative each week. It, it affects me worse and worse. And so I had chemotherapy yesterday and today I got on for like a pretty hard two hour bike and I'm doing heat, adep- heat adaptation right now to get ready for the heat in Tokyo and I'm not supposed to use a fan. I've got the heat on in my apartment. And about an hour in, my head was pounding. I started getting really nauseous. And I was like, and I normally handle heat really well. I was like, okay, today's not the day. So you just have to take whatever you get on the day. I mean, and that's, you know, I, I get so inspired by watching so many athletes like Sarah True and Alephine uh, Tulemak, you know, the Olympic marathoner and, and you know, Steph, Steph Rostein, These are like kind of my idols and I watch what some of them go through and Sarah Pian Piano and, and um, seeing how they've come back from motherhood and injuries and illness. And so you just kind of have to accept where you are on the day and be willing to kind of change on the fly. And I'm grateful that I have a coach, Ken Oxford, who recognized that. And he's like, mm-hmm. it's okay. So let's, we're going to do this instead. Or like, you know, call it, let's, let's call it a wash and rest up and get ready for tomorrow. Just like that never happened. So, um, (laughs) so today was one of those days and I'm I'm like, okay, I was disappointed at first. And I was like, well, I've got three hard days of workouts, my coach and my, my guide are flying in tonight. And so, uh, you know, better to save it for tomorrow when I really need to, than like gut myself and make myself really sick today, a day after chemo. So.
0: No, that makes sense. It's always like hard, I think, for elite athletes to know when, when to stop and when not to, right?
2: Yeah, because I mean we uh, we haven't gotten here because we like step down when we don't feel good <laughs> or like or that we're like throw in the towel because like oh it's just not going well. So, <laughs> but it's it you have to also know you know I think one of the things that I, I see consistently like Molly Seidel um, who mm-hmm. won you know won bronze at the at the Olympic Games in the marathon you know only three percent of her volume was high intensity or over race pace. And so like, and when she goes easy, she goes easy. We're talking like eight, nine minute miles. So I think that's really the difference between people who are elite and and people who are like, you know, new to the sport, or uh, I would, I hate to say like 90% of age groupers, they go and hammer because they think that more is more, more is not always better. It's uh, you know, it's, it's about the body of work that you put together. And so it's being able to take that lens and kind of zoom out and look mm-hmm. at the big picture, which is hard because, you know, right. we're all type A, we're all detail focused. We didn't get in triathlon because we're like, oh, it's going be fun and whatever. And like, we're like, OK, we want to get this dialed in and we want all the data and we want all this stuff. Um, and I'm still that person. But I, I also have to know that, like, one workout is not going to make or break me and remind myself of like of, of putting in putting in the energy where it really, really counts is, is the important thing.
0: Um, I mean, but you didn't actually start out in triathlon. You were going to be like an equestrian. And you mentioned, you know, that you kind of had juvenile rheumatic arthritis since you were a kid, but you didn't start to lose your vision until you were in your 20s. And now you had like a totally different life plan, right? Like you were going to, you were studying study viruses, I think, right? And you were going to do equestrian and like completely different.
2: So totally. Took out, a, took totally. A turn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I grew up on a horse farm in, in Poundrix, okay. New York, and and uh I actually, as a little girl, had always dreamed of going to the Olympics as an equestrian, and um then you know school school happened, and then I decided that I wanted to be a doctor, and I thought, well, no, that's a lot of school, and I hate school so <laughs> so what what else can I do that's in the medical industry that would change people's lives or be impactful and keep me interested. I like I my motto is I always want to lo- learn something new every day. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh pharmacy. You know, I can do pharmacy where I can study viruses and work on retroviruses and cures for them. Uh, back then HIV was so, you know, devastating a lot of the population. And that really interested in me interested me. And there was a big pharma company near where I lived called Beringer Engelheim, big German company. So that was where my interest lied. And I applied to pharmacy school at the university Mm -hmm. of Connecticut and halfway through school is when I got diagnosed with my eye disease and they made it very clear. You can't be a blind pharmacist. So, Uh, so really, really big bummer. And at that time, um, uh, a lot of things happened. My father passed away and I had stopped riding in college because I couldn't afford to. And my father passed away and left me his horse. And I thought, Oh great. I've just inher- inherited a very expensive for like a creature that I now have to take care of. In addition to like paying my tuition and working at night in the restaurant business in order to pay for school, how am I going to do this? And so uh, I just started wait- waiting tables like crazy to pay for the horse. And then I started teaching lessons on the horse in order to make him pay for himself and started competing and it was like oh yeah I forgot that I'm actually pretty good at this and um started teaching more and then I started competing down in Florida and up and down the east coast and doing you know national kind of stuff and um really enjoyed it and then my vision just continued to deteriorate and at that point I was working at night as a sommelier as a wine expert in the restaurant (laughs) business and I thought huh with my vision, I can do this for the rest of my life because all I need is my nose and my palate. So I decided to switch to that as a career and keep the horse thing as a hobby um, and teach for as long as I could until, until I couldn't, essentially. And then eventually, uh, I had to stop working in the wine business because my health deteriorated again. My disease came out of remission when I was in my early 30s. Um, and I went through chemotherapy and high-dose steroid treatment, gained 75 pounds, uh, I was over 200 pounds and was trying to figure out how to get back to shape because I never really right. exercised as a kid because, I mean, I played sports, so I never thought of it as exercise. I played right, tennis, I right. played soccer, you know, I was a swimmer, um, I was an average swimmer. I mean, I was on the swim team from the time I was six years old, but I was a middle-of-the-pack swimmer. I just yeah. did it because it was fun and it was a group, cool group activity and... And I was a breaststroker and a backstroker. Like freestyle is completely foreign to me, which is so funny. I'm probably, I probably would be faster doing backstroke than trying You should try that. Yeah. Let's see. <laughs> I know my coach who came out here a couple months ago and he watched me doing backstroke during the cool down. He's like, wow. He goes, why don't you do backstroke? I said, I don't know if that's even allowed. La- is that allowed? De- <laughs> it's definitely allowed. Might freak out your
0: guide, but. Yeah, I might freak
2: out my guide a little bit. I'll just like wave to people while I'm backstroking. Um, <laughs> say hi to the, to the kayakers that are keeping us safe. But yeah, so I, um, I played a lot of sports and and I was trying to figure out what to do to lose all that weight. And, uh, I wanted to run, but I was too heavy. Like I was worried that I was, would hurt my knees and my hips. So I started swimming again. Um, cause I felt good on my body at that, at that kind of weight. And then eventually I started doing some spin classes at my local YMCA, and then once I dropped about 40 pounds, then I felt comfortable running again. And But my vision was so diminished. Um, and I have what's called photopsia. Even though I have a little bit of vision through like a tiny little hole, um, I can see somebody's face. When I look at their face, I can see a quarter of their face. I can see their right eye, part of their nose and part of their cheek and their forehead. But that's okay. it. The rest of their face is missing. Their mouth is missing. All that. And so the higher my heart rate is above a heart rate about 162. uh, My vision turns white and I can't see anything. So on the treadmill, I was terrified because I was so out of shape. My heart rate would go sky high and I couldn't see anything. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to be one of those YouTube videos. Like I go shooting off the back of the treadmill. (laughs) like, Blind person goes airborne. It's going to be go viral. I was like, that's not what I want to be known for. So I took one of those elastic therabands and tied myself to the treadmill <laughs> and, and held on for dear life. I was like, okay, we're doing this Bef- the days before al- alter G, I guess. Right, right. Huh. <laughs> and so someone, uh, Carolyn Gaynor, uh, who's, a, who's guided many, many blind athletes for uh, Ironman, sprint distance, Olympic distance, triathlons, She lived in New York City. I lived in Connecticut at the time. She contacted me through social media and said, hey, you're swimming, biking and running indoors. You ever thought about doing a triathlon? (laughs) She's like, come on over to the dark side. I was like, I'll try anything once, (laughs) twice if I like it. So did my first race eight years ago. And here we are uh, eight years later going to Tokyo.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, you just like set it all really fast, but it was like a lot of things. Was it hard to kind of make all those transitions along the way, you know, like change, like you had to, you had to kind of adjust your plans, like multiple times in that.
2: Yeah. I mean, like I'm, I'm the queen of plan B, C, and D, right. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you have to be, uh, um, well, I mean it just by design, because there's, I, I always tell people there is always, always a solution to every problem. You just may not like it. And right. so, Right. It may be really uncomfortable or it may be so counter to what you would plan. You're like, no way. That's not an option. Well, it is an option. You always, always, always have options. It's just, they just kind of suck sometimes. <laughs> so, um, I just was trying to figure out what was the most that I could do with what I currently had. And, and that's always like, okay, what's the next thing I could do? What's the next hmm. thing? Okay. I did this. I rode a bike indoors. Can I ride a bike outdoors? Okay. Yes, around my condo complex when there's no cars, maybe <laughs> like you know, right, so right, like, right. okay, uh, you know, things like that. So trying to figure out pushing the envelope. Okay, what's what's the next kind of cool thing I can do? And then as I got involved in more and more um, para athletics and like Achilles International, which is a big group in New York City mm-hmm. of disabled uh, athletes, they do a lot of marathons and triathlons. Um, I started training with them once a week, taking the train into New York City and meeting finally meeting other athletes like me. I'd never really met people that had uh, um, vision loss and seeing some of them were attorneys, some were researchers at a university, you know some were had, were um, uh, were in the medical profession. I was like, wow, like how are they doing all this with vision loss? And it really inspired me and realized like, wow, I'm, I'm really limiting myself in, in my mind. and so, It just opened me up to what was possible.
0: Okay. When what was it about triathlon that made you like? This is hard. This is my thing because it's hard.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's hard. So what's the hardest thing I could possibly do? <laughs> oh, like, I, feel, I feel like good. that's
0: that's like triathlons, like thing, right? Like what's the hardest <laughs> thing I can think of?
2: I'll do that. <laughs> like. Yeah. And everybody's like, oh, when are you going to go over to Ironman? Like, yeah, no, I don't have a des- I have no desire to run twenty six miles ever. Okay. Ever. Okay. But like, are you going to do a marathon? Like, no, now Whilst I'm going to like end up signing up for California International Marathon this year. Like, yeah, I other, like I'm. I'm sensing. Yeah, that,
0: that's going to happen. So.
2: <laughs> you're going you're gonna to replay this interview in like mm-hmm. two months and be like, remember when you said you were never doing a marathon? But you know, I just like I have ADHD. There is no way I can handle like four hours of running. <laughs> this just sounds like sounds like the, my worst nightmare. Okay. The, only, the, the only good the, the best thing about being blind is that you're you, like you're stuck with another person the entire time. So you have somebody <laughs> to talk to.
0: Do you okay? But you have you had the same guy. I mean, we were talking about your guide before we started, and she's it's Kristen Sass. Won a ton of nationals. Really good. You don't actually talk while you're racing, right? Uh, you, I mean, I mean, we mean well, wait, you it depends on.
2: It, it might be monosyllabic communication. Okay. Like left, right, stop. Like help. <laughs> it's
0: not like conversations.
2: You know, ironically, it was at the Paralympic trials a couple okay. months ago because I was under. again, I went into that, that race, you know, as healthy as I could be, but not as healthy as I, as I wanted to be. And so I was under very strict instructions to like, just hit the criteria that I needed to hit. It wasn't like go bury yourself and end up in the hospital kind of race. So I literally headed out of transition at like seven minute pace. And she like grabs my arm and she's like, hold on sister. This isn't what we agreed to. I'm like, (laughs) like so frustrated. So she's like, here's what we're going to do. She goes, when I do an Ironman, she goes, I dedicate every mile to somebody that's helped me on my journey. And she goes, so we only have a 5k. So (laughs) we're going to run out of time really quick. But she's like, how about every half mile we dedicate the half mile to the person? She's like, so she starts talking to me. She's like, so who's the first person for the first half mile? And I was like, okay, well, that would be my, my, my best friend's, you know, Melissa, and she's like, okay, what did Melissa do? So she's got me like talking. So we talked the whole race. And (laughs) I remember getting past because, you know, different athletes with different disabilities start in different waves, And what the amputees started after us. And my teammate, Jamie Brown, who's going to Tokyo also, he passed me at one point. He's like, ladies, it's a race. (laughs) Got the chit chat. Let's go. And I'm like, I'm doing what I'm told. I'm going slow on purpose. Like, I swear. So, so yeah, okay. so to answer your question, sometimes we do talk, but if, when I'm actually competing and trying to go for a medal, no, there's not a lot of talking. Um, not so
0: much then, yeah.
2: No, like during the swim, for instance, I, again, I have a little bit of vision. So I like we'll get on the pontoon and she'll like take my arm and point it in the direction of where the first buoy is. She's like, okay, the first buoy is at your one o'clock or your 11 o'clock. And it's about 300 meters so um we'll pre-discuss she's like okay when we get to the when we get five strokes out from the buoy I'm gonna yell buoy and then when we get to the buoy I'm gonna start saying right 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 and I'll stop saying right once we are lined up with the next buoy so um so she just basically water polo crawls with her head in the air as we're going around the buoy and I, I swing around usually it's I, I always go on the left, so depending upon depending mm-hmm. on the course, if it's a going clockwise, um, and then I'll I'll line up next to her because she's never allowed to get ahead of me in the swim. That's oh important. really yeah, it's a very important rule. You will get disqualified. Uh, there's
0: like people out there like watching
2: Hot paddle boards and videotaping and stuff. Unfortunately, not enough, and like that's mm. one of the, my frustrations with uh, the visually impaired category in triathlon. A lot of athletes get dragged uh, by their guide. Um, it's we've We've filmed other athletes from other countries, literally like taking the tether and hiking it up as high as they can in their groin. And their guide is clearly swimming really hard, and the athlete is sort of like cruising long huh. holdby strokes. And I'm like, that girl's getting pulled. Like you can see that she's just like getting it along. I'm like, wow. So yes, yeah, so I I wish they were more strict about it. That's one of my frustrations with paratriathlon, But you know, it's the Paralympics, so there's going to be a lot of TV cameras on them. So That's hopefully true. people will be be behaving.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, interesting. And, the whole guide. I mean, I've talked I talked to Aaron about it, talked about it. But the whole guide uh, athlete relationship is like fascinating. I mean, you guys have been working together for like four years. She's coming out tomorrow. You're going to practice more. But then sometimes people just get thrown. Like, hey, guy dropped out. Need a new person. Who's around? That's what And That's it. how yeah. it better.
2: Like literally, we we had never been, even been on a bike together. We only talked on the phone, and we met in Japan four years ago. And and in the city of Yokohama, it's a, a, a town ordinance that it's against the law for two people to ride on a bike together. Really? And so only in the race scenario are you allowed to be two people on a bike. And so because of this weird law, the race organizers set up like a a little practice course the day before the race on a loading dock with a bunch of cones where we literally went out and back down up and down this this loading dock on 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 a wooden dock on a tandem in the pouring rain with a bunch of Japanese volunteers just clapping like yay America like as, we, <laughs> as we rode down, did a 180 degree turn and went back like 10 times. We're like, what is going on? This is like the lamest practice ever. Why is this
0: a law? Yeah.
2: I don't know. It's so strange. I don't know if it's a, it's a health you know, health department kind of thing where it's like, I don't know. They're very, they're very concerned about spatial, you know, constraints and things like that. So yeah. So you can't ride with your guide. So that was, not a really good practice considering Yokohama is one of the most technical courses on the whole circuit it looks like a toddler drew on a map it's like left right left right right, cobblestones barricades super narrow skinny areas and then pavement with um with uh painting on it you know like crosswalks and things like that in the rain so I was like we're gonna die (laughs) so but we didn't didn't. so So after when we, we ended up having the fastest bike split of the day. And I thought, gosh, like once we got through the race and we made it through safely and crossed the finish line, she and I looked at each other like, that was so fun. I wanted to go do another lap on the bike course. And she goes, yeah, it was amazing. She goes, would you race with me again? I'm like, are you kidding? Would you race with me again? So, and that was it. We've been working together ever since. All right, you're like, what if we actually practice? We could be good. <laughs> could you imagine if we actually had time on a bike together. We <laughs> would be amazing. <laughs> so so that's when we decided we've you know we would have done paracycling nationals this year except it was like within a week of USA uh, paratriathlon nationals and it, uh, I was like, that's a lot of travel. It was in Idaho too. It was kind of difficult to get to. Right. But next year, I guess do all the fun things. All the fun things, <laughs> okay. So right
0: now though, she's flying out, your coach is flying out. Um, you weren't able to go to team camp in Kona because of the chemo, but you guys are obviously, you're going to have your own little camp. Yeah. What does training, and then you're leaving in a week or so. I mean, for, for right now, by the time this yeah. airs, you'll have left. But yeah. what does training look like right now? What do you do like when you come, when she comes to practice? Like how does that
2: how does Tomorrow that we are going to, well, I, I'm not running on dry land right now. So we won't really do any running together, uh, except for like maybe some transition practice. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, I only, as my coach says, I only need to run once on race day on dry land. (laughs) So we just need to preserve my hip until then. But tomorrow we're going to go to a big empty parking lot. Actually, ironically, at Canyon Bikes. Uh, Canyon Mm -hmm. Bicycles has their their U.S. headquarters headquarters out here. uh, And they're closed because of the pandemic. So we're like, cool, we have a big empty lot. We're going to go set up some cones and do some, you know, turn practice and do some high speed cornering and stuff. So that'll be fun tomorrow on the tandem. We, we, she and I always enjoy kind of stuff like that, like skill, <laughs> skill stuff. And it's, you know, it's very interesting, you know, power distri- distribution we've been playing around with that. We both have power meter pedals. Um, so trying to figure out, you know, who's putting out what Watts and, and how to conserve my energy for the run where I really need it. And, and it's easier to do that in a time trial situation, but the more technical the course is, the more power I'm going to need to put out on the back of the bike So yeah, it'll, it'll be fun to kind of measure that tomorrow after the skills. And then we're going to do some work in the pool, more technical, again, more technical stuff with my coach. And then Saturday, we're going to go down to Fiesta Island here in San Diego and do some like hard efforts, uh, like, you know, you know, two or three K efforts, uh, around the Island, um, with either a short runoff, um, and lots of transition practice. So just getting on, you know, T1, T2, T1, T2, like probably 20 of them until we can get it down to under like 20 seconds or something. (laughs) And then, yeah, we're pretty, like our our T2 is pretty fast. It's usually like max 30 seconds. Um, But uh, T1, getting an arrow helmet on is really hard fast. Right. uh, And so uh, that's been a challenge. Um, And I have a hernia that likes to pop out when I bend over to pull my shoes on. So I have to be very careful (laughs) about that. The wonders of being 45 and being a triathlete, <laughs> but yeah, you know, all these things that we have to consider, you know, on, on race day. So we'll do that. And then, um, uh, we're going to meet with my PT and go through some strength and, and, uh, activation exercises for both Kirsten and I. And then Sunday we do open water swim practice. My coach will be on a paddle board and do some filming of us. And we're going to, again, work on that position um, my guy can be the furthest down on her body I can be is like, I think by her shoulder or by her elbow. So we're trying to figure out how to get as close as possible without hitting each other so that I can take advantage of a little bit of a draft um, and then figure out which way we're breathing um, so that I can spot her and also so she can see me. And so it's, it's a lot of communication, uh, nonverbal communication, if you will. Um, And normally I, Almost every race that we compete uh, is wetsuit legal. Tokyo will not be. Normally, when she wears a wetsuit, I can see she's got a bright orange stripe down her side. So I can sort of spot that in the water and see where she is. I'm not going to be able to do that in Tokyo. We're going to have navy blue uniforms that are going to blend into the ocean. So I have to do everything by feel. So we're just going to have to get lots of time in the ocean next week while she's here and just practice that. So. Um, yeah, so we'll be doing that. And then we're just going to do a nice, fun, long ride on Sunday with my coach before he heads back on the tandem, just get some mileage in and practice standing up. Standing up is really hard on the tandem. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. Uh, it takes a lot of communication and it takes a lot of gas out of your legs. So, and there's a lot of turns as you probably saw on the Tokyo Olympic course. Um, so burning those matches and, and knowing when to, when to really go hard. So it's a lot of big accelerations.
0: It's the same course, right? But I mean your guys' race is about half give or take yeah, the distance, yeah. right?
2: So we're we're a sprint distance. They were they were Olympic distance. So it'll be it'll be twenty K on the bike.
0: So you're just doing fewer laps is the idea? Same course? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. yeah.
0: And are you guys I mean, obviously we know the Tokyo situation was super weird. Everyone had all these protocols, all this stuff. Uh I would imagine it's like even crazier for the Paralympics because you also have like guides and gear all this extra weird not weird you know different gear and people and yeah and so I mean how complicated has it been kind of getting ready
2: uh it's very stressful I'm not gonna lie (laughs) I mean I had we had to download seven different apps on our phone um I had to go we had to buy a six foot long charging cord for our cell phones because they're going to be tracking us on google maps and we're not allowed to be more than six less than six feet uh, near another athlete from another country and they can tell that by tracking us on our phones. So, yeah, so there's a lot of like very strict protocols. Um, we also have to buy an exterior battery pack for our phone because we are not allowed to be without battery at any time. Um, like our phones have to constantly be on and running so they can track us. Uh, so there's a lot of, lot of like, there was an 82 page manual that I sat on Sunday and had to read all day. Um, huh to To prepare for the game. So it's a lot of logistics and learning where the training facilities are, learning where sports medicine is, what, you know, what kind of access you have to different facilities. I have major dietary restrictions. So trying to plan what food, like I have to bring some food, um, right. I have a ton of medications and I have to bring my chemo drugs with me, which need to be refrigerated. So, so many, so many things that have to so much packing. We, it looks like a circus. When, we're, when we go, it's going to be yeah, so like fun. that sounds complicated, <laughs> it's so. nuts. you know, and then race, you know, race wheels, fair wheels, you know, the usual triathlete. I mean, no triathlete travels light. No, I was watching a lot of the, the, the girls heading to WTCS up in Montreal. And, you know, some of them have two bikes because they're coming straight from the Olympics to Canada. It's, it's a lot of, a lot of
0: stuff. Oh, yeah. And there's like a quarantine in Canada. They've all been like sitting in hotels and it's all crazy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're lucky that, we're you know, at least in the we're in the village um, and not, you know, quarantined outside of that. So, but it's, we get tested every day and we start testing every day next week before we leave.
0: And have you gotten the sense that, because I was talking to, you know, we had some reporters in Japan and I've been talking to them a little bit about kind of post-Olympics, pre-Paralympics, like how what's the vibe? Have you gotten the sense that, you know, there are going to be spectators that they're excited that this is going to be a big deal. Like, do we know?
2: I have no idea. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, Japan is my favorite place that I've ever raced other than maybe Northern Italy and Australia. And I, um, I would say they are, they love triathlon over there. Like love, love, love. I mean, people show up They're all kitted out. They're super proud. They show up with like their road bikes or their tri bikes to watch Yo- the Yokohama race every year. And they're they look like incredibly professional. They're better dressed than all of us, and they are diehard triathlon fans. So that's super fun. You know, some of them knew us and researched us before we got there. So the Japanese public really loves our sport, and so that. I, we always get treated like celebrities and people want to take pictures and selfies with us. And it's, it's such a cool vibe. Whenever I race there, um, I would say Rio is the only other place that I've seen people like be like, Oh my gosh, Americans. Wow. You, you do triathlon So cool. Like, so that's really wild. Um, so I'm hoping that I, I imagine it's going to be the same when we, when we head there for the Paralympic games. And I'm hoping that we'll have a little bit of spectators, right. but honestly, if you think of it this way, you know, triathlon's not a super spectator friendly sport and that you're going to just see a bike pack go like by like, Oh, Hey, there she goes. That was awesome. I saw her for like five seconds. Right. I, I mean, I always watch all the WTs. Like even when I was in Yokohama, I watched the the pro uh, the men and women on, on world triathlons uh, website because it's way better viewing they've got drone <laughs> footage and they've got the, you know, follow cameras on the motorcycle. So it's easier to view triathlon on TV. So it's not super easy to spectate. I mean, it's fun. Don't get me wrong, but you're not getting the whole picture of like, what's happening? Like who got a flat, who crashed, who did, you know, what's, what's going on, who made a pass on the run. You can't see all that. I feel like, yeah, no,
0: no. Travelers like notoriously not fun to spectate. Yeah. No,
2: it's not. So it's not like swimming. So I feel worse for people like swimmers, Mm. um, track and field where you're in a stadium and you're used to having like that energy around you triathlon we don't generally have i mean sometimes we have a little bit of spectation but it's not like those other sports so i'm o- i'm okay with it
0: okay all right what is your all right last what is your goal what is your goal for tokyo <laughs> we're just gonna enjoy the don't ride die. yeah <laughs> <laughs>
2: don't die in the heat no. <laughs> like short term goal don't die long like, goal yes yeah. <laughs> stretch stretch goal would be top five, um, okay. and uh, and uh, you know that would have to be everything coming coming together on the day. Based on the level of training I'm at right now, uh, I would say probably top eight. <laughs> My goal is top eight because you get a certificate for if you finish in the top eight. So I'm like, okay, that would be <laughs> really cool. My race number is ten, so beat your race number, right? Um, <laughs> but I, I I'd like to make top five also because that would put me on the national team for 2021 and hit the criteria for team USA. And that would, that would mean a lot for me. It means also that then I wouldn't have to race at all for the rest of the year. I could take time <laughs> off. If I, if I don't hit top five, that means I have to keep racing and, and chasing points and going right. to world cups in like uh, in Turkey and in um, Portugal in order to mm. secure my slot for next season. So,
0: okay. so and if you five. got time off, what are you going to do with it? What is your plan?
2: I have never been to Hawaii. Um, I'm super bummed because my teammates are there this week. Uh, Kirsten and I just got a really generous sponsorship from Toyota uh, along with my teammates. So we're like, let's do an Airbnb. Our families didn't get the chance to come and see us in Tokyo. Let's just like go there, ride bikes, cook and enjoy ourselves and swim in the ocean for a week. So I think that's what we're going to plan on doing. That's awesome. Yeah. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Like it's, you know. We've been working, you know, four years really, really hard for this together. And so, yeah, it's, and it's, it's hard. Cause like, you know, we both come from like normal blue collar families and, you know, my family doesn't really travel out of the country ever. And so, um, they've been saving for years to go to Tokyo. It's, mm. it's going to be their one big trip and now it's not happening. So I'm really bummed about that. Although again, Toyota stepped up and USA triathlon stepped up and they're doing a big viewing party at the Olympic Training Center and Paralympic Training Center in Colorado um, at the Springs. So they're flying all of our parents out there um, for a big party. So that's cool. So at least they'll be around other families from Team USA and get to celebrate together and watch, watch watch our race. But again, it's not the same as obviously having them there in Japan.
0: Right, right, right. No, that makes sense.
2: Well, uh, Hawaii it is. <laughs> Hawaii sounds fine too. That's <laughs> why it's okay. Well,
0: cool. well, thank you so much for chatting with us, and good luck uh, in Tokyo. And we will have all the like how to watch information up on our site next week because I keep losing track of days. But it's the twenty seventh and twenty eighth are the triathlon days. Twenty eighth. Yeah. 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 yeah it'll
2: yeah. be five
0: thirty Eastern time, uh, and then and two thirty Pacific. So. Right. Right. Cool. 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 Well, good luck. Thanks. Thanks to Amy and to Sid. Good luck to both of you in Tokyo. We'll have more info on how to watch next week before the races happen. Keep listening and keep training.